It's Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Death Stranding by Hattori Najima, and Nick read Jack Canfield, The Success Principles. I see deep brick red, slick cherry red, shiny rosy red, candy apple red, Estella deep red. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here yet again to never figure out how to set microphone settings so that I can talk in a regular voice and not have it completely blow out the thing. Uh, but we are back with our, our same theme, self-help and extended universes. And frankly, folks, this one's a doozy. Yeah. So I, I'll share more when we get to mix section of the podcast about how I came to know of the existence of Jack Canfield's The Success Principles. Mm -hmm. But I was very excited for Mick to read this book, and it did not disappoint. His reaction was exactly how I anticipated it would be. This is a very, very weird podcast. To, to I mean in a lot of ways yeah. but also the the emotions that we in a pretty solid a very solid marriage and yep. relationship get uh, the sort of inflicted shot and fruity is pretty fun because I had enlisted some help today to find your next book which I've already shown to you is going to be Jordan Peterson's uh, sequel about the 12 rules to life sequel thing I hate it I know very exciting so a little teaser there uh, but I picked or I asked people around and they said basically that oh i want really want her to read this but she's gonna hate it and i said perfect and then i showed you and you you were pissed off and i said excellent yeah and it's just very very weird that two people who love each other so much uh can get so much joy and glee out of pissing the other one off in this very singular way and i feel like for this episode the book it doesn't even have to do with hate boning either no it really doesn't it's just like oh mick is gonna be so miserable reading this stupid book I can't wait. <laughs> I get to laugh on the couch while he reads three paragraphs and then puts the book down and sighs heavily and gives me a look. Real stop and start this, this yeah, time. Yeah, it was real bad with this one. Uh, but for you, you're going first. I picked out for you. Uh, it was a it was a spur of the moment. I was looking for some other stuff, and then all of a sudden, bam, Death Stranding, which you almost certainly have never heard of no. uh, before this, is a video game. I still don't feel like I've heard of it, and I read the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is uh, a video game by the same people who did Metal Gear Solid, uh, a Kojima production. Uh, and Metal Gear Solid is known for its straightforward, uh, very simple uh, plots, such as a secret agent man sneaks into an oil rig where there's a weapon of mass destruction that's actually a large robot uh, to stop some somebody who it turns out is a, a, a brother clone to him of a different person whose name is Big Boss uh, or Venom Snake, uh, who is in turn not the original Big Boss, but had to fight off the, the original Big Boss uh, when he was in the 70s during the Cold War, uh, and then they cloned him. Uh, so that's one of the games that makes a lot more sense than the plot to this one. To oh be yeah, completely honest. I, th- yeah. What happened is that uh, Kojima stopped working for Konami and then started his own production company, and basically was cut completely loose uh, to make Death Stranding a video game about uh, carrying things to places. Uh, yes, and uh, <laughs> that's very true. If 
if you asked me what happens in this game, I would know, well, uh, some famous directors show up from time to time. Uh, in fact, I believe Conan O'Brien is in the game. I didn't know if that was legitimate or a uh, little special treat they put in for his little his show or something like that. But uh, Kojima is known for his absolute nonsense. Uh, you had to read the first of two. Yeah, thank you for not giving me the second one. Yeah. I think I was confused enough. That's Honestly, I, I really, really considered it because you know how we love to get each other sequels here. But love I was like, it's she's like, not going to understand yeah. the first one, much less the second one. I did not understand the first one. We were talking about how like sometimes the goal of this is to like make the other person miserable with this book i was not miserable i was just so confused like it was fine i didn't like hate reading it i was just the whole time i was just like what is happening what is going on the uh his most recent game that i played was metal gear solid 5 i played it when we lived in ames and i you will remember it for having the sound effect uh where Target marked. Target oh marked. Oh my gosh. Target marked. Yes. And there was no way to turn it off. <clears throat> I uh, heard it all the time. We lived in a one bedroom yeah. apartment. I, I tried to turn it off, but I couldn't. Uh, and in that game, you are a uh, spoiler alert for a game that's, I think, at this point, eight years old. Uh, you are a brainwashed, plastic surgeried uh, soldier of Big Boss, the guy I was talking about before, that thinks he is Big Boss. Uh, you think you are Big Boss the whole game. Uh, and you wake up in a hospital, and uh, you're someone's coming here to kill you. It's a female assassin. And then uh, you, like throw rubbing alcohol on her and start her on fire and she jumps out the window. And then you're trying to escape from this thanks to uh, the help from a man who has bandages all around his face that we later find out is the real big boss. Uh, but while you're trying to escape from it, there's a large man covered in fire that is constantly walking around and a small child in a straitjacket and a gas mask that hovers above the ground every once in a while. And I just was watching that. That's the first level. You have to play it twice for reasons. Uh, that's the first level. And I just kind of had to sit there and be like, Okay, I'm just going to have to just let this wash all over me. And then later in the game, you find out that that assassin uh, was brought back to health thanks to the, the uh, some parasites uh, that live inside her. And it makes her breathe through her skin, so that's why she has to wear a bikini over gigantic titties. Uh, her name's Quiet. She can't talk. And you find out the reason she can't talk is that this parasite is spread through speech. Uh, speaking English uh, will kill you. And so it's this whole thing about it's the symbolism of the game is lingua franca and how it's bringing us all together. And that's killing us or something. Okay, like that. I have a joke about lingua franca from this oh, one yeah. too. Oh yeah, so that's a, that's as oh yes, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, that's as uh, much as I can tell you about Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, a guy who has a skull for a face, and his name is Skullface. Uh, Very creative names. The I big hear, boss is called Big Boss. I hear that there's some creative names in this one, like uh, Heartman or Deathman or something like that. Yep, so. and then um, one of the characters whose job is to be a porter his name is his last name is porter Mm. um i was so confused that i actually wound up just having to look up a synopsis of the plot of the game and read through it because i had no idea what i like how you have the chance to have a more detailed description of what is happening in the game and you had to go even further than that so imagine if you played the game yeah and so it's like I I am reading a book that is supposedly, you know, supposed to dig even deeper in some ways than the game does. Mm-hmm. And I had to read the Wikipedia summary of the video game to figure out what was happening <laughs> in the book. Um, it did help pretty significantly because there were some pretty core things that I was not understanding because despite the fact that there is a glossary in the beginning, <laughs> the glossary doesn't help. So there is something 
there there the is babies. a yeah a bb a bridge baby which the the that sounds like a racist term for something yeah the glossary says artificially created equipment that allows its users to sense the presence of the dead that's all the description that it gives you what it does not tell you is that a bridge baby is literally like a baby. an eight month old unborn fetus that they basically take the do you mean eighth month like so it's not yet born it's not that's ninth month or do you mean that it's an eight month old that's still in the womb no no no. it like it's it hasn't been born yet oh so it's been like someone was for pregnant gestating. for eight months and then they oh, so removed you, the placenta so you're saying that a baby is eight <clears throat> months old when it's uh been growing for eight months so you you start counting right at conception well, I said the fetus say. was eight months. I'm so. just kidding. <laughs> um, hmm, it says a lot about you, Sue. Yeah, it does, it does say a lot about me. Um, that they bring the fetus and its placenta and they put it in like a little backpack thing mm-hmm. and people can carry it around and use it to um, commune with the other side. Yeah. What's not to get? Well, they didn't tell you that. They didn't tell you that in the description. So it was like, oh, it's a piece of equipment. I'm imagining like a a walkie-talkie or something. But like, no, it's a baby. Maybe a little clicky little umbrella thing that lives over a shoulder. Yeah, equipment makes me think like metal detector. Or metal gear. Not fetus that you put in a backpack. And then there's a weird thing about how, like, its mother has to remain alive but under sedation because it's, like, still getting nutrients from its mother even though it's in a backpack and she's millions of miles away. I don't know. It was millions of miles? Well, not millions of miles. Oh. Um, it was very confusing. So reading the Wikipedia summary definitely helped me um, figure some things out that were a little confusing. But I'm just going to – I'm just going to – Drop you right in. A prologue. Prologue starts with uh, a dream that someone is having. Solid. Where everyone is staring at him. One of the many staring faces, a woman, split from ear to ear, becoming one giant mouth. Small canine teeth crowded the mouth right to the back of its throat. It made a disturbing tearing sound as it gnawed through the invisible wall that protected him. The stench of rotting organs surrounded him. He watched a star explode, followed by a vision of a world full of the microscopic life that was first born to these lands. He slid down its throat, mingled with its gastric juices before being pushed through its contracting and relaxing intestines. Finally, he was expelled from the anus. Ah. A wave washed over the naked body, the ha that was soiled with blood and excrement, a simple lump of flesh that had neither hands nor feet. An enormous wave broke overhead before bursting into a million water droplets and showering down upon him. His ha began to develop exponentially. Its aging and growth accelerated almost as if being struck by the timefall. Eyes, a mouth, ears, and a nose burst forth as it took human form and sprouted both arms and legs. Yeah. And then he wakes up. This is practically Hemingway. It's so straightforward, Sue. Come on. Oh, my God. Um, there's just a lot like that. Um, it's Iger, just really deep, Susan. Iger remembered the name, the notes on Sam's profile, a freelance porter who suffered from dooms. He had been a <laughs> member of Bridges up until around 10 years ago. Ever since his time in Bridges, he had displayed symptoms of aphanphobia and couldn't stand physical contact with others. Mm. 
I don't know what Dooms so, is. I don't okay. know at this point what Bridges is. Is capital I'm, D Dooms? Yeah, D O capital capital everything. Oh, Dooms. Dooms. Yeah. Dooms. It's a it's a What's condition. It's a condition where you can talk to the dead or oh, something. Nice. Yeah. Um we spent a lot of time talking about the ka and the ha. Uh, the ha was beginning to go necro, and the ka mm-hmm. that was seeping out of it was trying to drag the title case beach here. At that point, I don't know what any of that means either. I honestly didn't until I read the Wikipedia entry. <laughs> um, let's see. Here's a little bit, several pages later, here's a little bit of a description of ka and ha. When humans die, their ka escapes their ha. This was a concept that had been investigated by the ancient Egyptians and explored the two elements that make up life. When the body, or ha, necrotizes and lingers in this world, the soul, or ka, becomes lost in search of it. It remains in the area where it died, looking for it for the rest of eternity. Bodies had to be burned immediately to let the soul know that there was no longer a body to go back to. If the body wasn't burned, the soul would become a beached thing, title case, and continue to search for the living. Mmm. I like how the Egyptians know that and then mummified their dead instead of burning them. Uh Uh-huh. Seems just mean. Yeah. I want your soul to wander forever. Um, oh, here's another fun one. There was a flash of light in the center of the vortex, followed by a clap of thunder as loud as a dragon's roar. An upside down rainbow spanned the sky. The BB trembled with fright and the Odra deck on Sam's shoulder sprang to life. There was no mistaking it. These were the signs that BTs were coming. The mules, all capitals, who had almost caught up to him, turned back into panic. The BTs were a threat to them, too. Beach things. Uh-huh. Yes. A moment later, Sam felt cold raindrops against his back, and the time fall began to pour down like a waterfall. The BB cried out, and the Odra deck spun around wildly. The time fall is actually a pretty cool concept, where it's basically like it's a storm, it's rain, but it... um. Like any living thing that it falls on, like it ages that thing Mm. Um, or any like if it falls on metal, it will rust Um, like it causes like wear and tear and things. So that's kind of like that's a pretty interesting concept. So does he wear like a poncho or does he just get old? Um, He just tries to stay out of it as much as he can. He has like some armor and stuff that can protect him, but he mostly just apparently there's enough warning most of the time that he can just like not that time get out of it. Um, oh, here's finally on page 186, here's an explanation a little bit of what the Death Stranding is and, um, what beached things are. As you know, the Death Stranding is named after the fact that the phenomenon stranded the dead in this world. The dead take on a disposition similar to that of antimatter, and it's been well documented that being touched by the dead causes mm-hmm. a void out. Yep. However, well documented, everyone knows. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, based on past reports and observations, the act of touching alone does not induce a void out. In fact, a void out only occurs once a human has been consumed by a beached thing. We believe it's likely that your unique ha forces the BTs back to the other side. Um, So, of course, he has special powers. Basically, well, he's Norman Reedus. The, of course, he has special powers. He has the special power to be ugly and hot at the same time. You you joked earlier that this is a, the video game is about carrying things to other mm-hmm. places. That's essentially what the book is about. Yeah. Like, there's this very complicated world and all these things that are happening. But basically, like this guy is a porter. He brings things to other places, and his main task in the book is to help set up a network. They're trying to reconnect. 
cities across the United States. And so he just goes from city to city and he convinces people to hook up to the network. And in order to convince them, he's he also is bringing them supplies. Mm-hmm. And each stop that he goes to, they're like, oh, we have stuff that you can bring to the next city. Yeah. So he just brings things places that's what the entire book is about yeah that's what the entire game is about there's a whole mechanic for not stacking your backpack too high or else you tip over yeah that's in the book (laughs) i do love the idea of taking a video game which is open world by its very Mm -hmm. nature and trying to make a book out of it like even a kojima game but can you imagine if they like try to novelize skyrim like i would love to see a novelized skyrim that has an actual protagonist that the skyrim protagonist is so it's like he jumped on the long dinner table made of dark mahogany and strode down its length sending turkey legs and apples flying either direction he pickpocketed the the, <laughs> the guard for little to no reason but then was immediately caught or um like breath of the wild where you have a protagonist that like the whole point is that he doesn't speak at yeah. all. I would love Breath of the Wild too. Be like Link with a grunt or with a grunt. Link through the bomb. Unfortunately, it bounced off of a piece of geography and uh, exploded him ten feet the other direction, <laughs> and then he died. The yeah. end. Game over. Um, <laughs> I also thought it was funny that you made a joke when talking about these games about Lingua Franca because yeah. you. I spoiler alert. I read this out loud to Mick, but there was a there was one sentence that made me laugh out loud. Money may have connected people as a sort of lingua franca. Yes, the language of business is money. (laughs) I feel like we should have a we should have a big list of really reductive sentences that we read in some of these books. Mm. Like, just why? Why did we need that one? Yeah, Um, that sounds like a John Boy's tweet. (laughs) When it really comes down to business, the language of business is money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, Mick, when yeah. you think about it? When you think about it? When you think about it? Think about it? business is money when you think about it. Um, so all in all, like it wasn't bad. There was nothing offensive about it, which is more than I can already say for the Jordan Peterson book that I haven't started <laughs> reading yet. Um, it, I was just so confused. Yeah. And then ultimately, like it's wrapped in all of this confusing wrapping paper, but like it's a book about a video game about a guy carrying things from place mm-hmm. to place the most basic video game task yeah yeah um so it was kind of funny because like i so i have started to get more into video games in the past probably five or six years i started playing mass effect when we lived in ames yeah which um and so you've you've gotten me into some games that have really good stories and so i feel like i'm starting to pick up more on video games like things that i just didn't know because mm. i hadn't played them and so like it was interesting to see a novelization of a video game and be like, oh, here's your main quest, here's your side quests, <laughs> and seeing how the side quests yeah. sort of stack on each other. Like, to do this thing for this person, you have to first do this thing for this person. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a weird book based on what I'm assuming is a weird game. That should be <clears throat> That should be just like on... If people had covers, that would be on Hideo Kojima's cover. It's a a weird, weird person who makes weird games. <laughs> sure, that's his Twitter bio. Yeah. <laughs> Israel Atul. So that was Death Stranding. Thank you, by the way, for getting me part one and not yeah. part two, because yeah. I think it would have been worse. Um, I, while you organize your notes, Teddy was playing with your notebook and tore some pages off. So I just put everything he tore off in your book. I don't know which ones you actually Uh, need. I only needed one of these. 
The other one was two <laughs> quotes from All Quiet on the Western Front, which is very weird. I don't know why I would write down two quotes, mm. uh, but oh well. So I do want to share how I picked this book out for Mick. So at my yeah. job, um, we Ooh. have some free... <laughs> what boo just could just jobs yeah You're just booing the concept boo of jobs. jobs so at my job we have some free professional development courses that we can take that are quite frankly often very good um but there are some professional development courses that you have to pay for mm. and you can either be nominated for or apply for a grant to get them for free like they select certain number of people each yeah. year and so Gosh, it was like my first or second year working in Iowa. I got nominated for a grant to take one of these classes. And if you if you get it, they just place you into one. It's not like you get to pick which one oh, you good. take. So I got placed into this class. It was called The Success Principles. Um, and no, I was not nominated specifically to take this this, this class, sucks. Um, it Jeez, was just like they, they placed you in one. So it's called the success principles. And I was like, okay, this sounds a little like a motivational speakery, self-helpy, but like whatever, we'll see. I'm tapping my nose. Uh, then I find out that it is based on a book. And as part of participation in the class, you get a free copy of the book. So they send us the book through campus mail. How much do you figure this guy paid for, to have them run that class? I don't know. Um, but... I get this book and it's huge. Um, it's several hundred pages yeah, long. Uh, and the first thing that I noticed is that uh, it is written by a man named Jack Canfield, who is the author or facilitator, I suppose, uh, of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. It's very funny because his name's Canfield. Uh, not Campbell's. Oh, I was just thinking Can. Mm. And so I was like, uh, well... Not counting the, about the author, suggested readings, uh, attributions, other stuff ugh. like that. 435 pages. Yeah. And then I looked at the number of chapters that there were. And each chapter is like between one and a half to four pages long. So there are many of them. Uh, and I immediately became very worried about what this little workshop class thing was going to be like. I think it was like a two or three part deal over the course of the semester. But each class was four hours long. 64 chapters. Yeah. And then they tried to get you to join this like bi-weekly group that met to dig into each one of the success principles and i was very and i know there's a certain amount of like my boss nominated me for this so i feel like i have to perform or whatever but like people seemed to be loving it yeah. and i was one of the few people who was like hey we all know this is terrible right um i owned a copy of this book and then I must have given it away at some point because um, I couldn't find it. But I saw it recently when I was looking for your last self-help book. I saw it at the library and Ugh. I knew. I knew. You were rubbing your hands together in villainous glee as uh -huh. you uh, were telling me, I already know what your next one is. Uh-huh. So. Can't wait. So, yeah. Nick, how was the Success Principles by Jack Canfield? It was really bad. Uh, homie needs to hire an editor, mon frere. Uh, <laughs> I did only make it through 100 pages. The, there's not really, like, yeah, it's just copy-paste, copy-paste, copy-paste for the next 300. Yeah, uh, I was not reading any of it. I was just scrolling. I was just like... I uh, may have you go through and read some of the titles of chapters that you didn't read, though, just, just to give the listener a little taste of what they're missing out on. 
Uh, yeah, so the next chapter after I... There's, in case you didn't hear me, there were 64 chapters. I made it to page 100, so I made it to chapter 13. So after... That's uh, too many chapters. The first, the first uh, chapter is the longest at 16 pages, uh, I'm pretty sure. And then it's 6 pages, then it's 10 pages, then it's 5, then it's 1, and then it's 5. Like, they really take off uh, after that. So I uh, uh, don't feel bad. Um... This book sucks, and it's just a series of lists. <laughs> it's just a series of lists over and over and over again. Uh, it's, it is it is also just an excuse to have a bunch of quotes uh, in this book. I'll get back to the quotes. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to do one more here right now. Actually, I'm going to deputize you since I'm talking. Okay. Can you look that up? So just okay. do Edison literally astound ourselves. His two quotes that he has at the beginning of our uh, book are life is like a combination lock your job is to find the right numbers in the right order so you can have anything you want brian tracy and if we did all the things we are capable of doing we would literally astound ourselves supposedly says thomas edison well brainyquote.com does say that that's from thomas edison yes, brainyquote.com is a wikipedia of quotes uh-huh um do you want to know something happen. very funny brainyquote.com is referenced in the prince harry memoir Really? It's hilarious. Yeah, it's Why? so bad. Oh, because he's talking about finding a quote that he really loves that he found on brainyquote.com. It is said without irony. All right. Thomas Edison Historical Park or National Park uh, does use it to give uh, it to Edison. But still, this brings me to my other point, which is that there are many, many quotes throughout this book. Uh, and by in only 100 pages, I found six completely fake ones. <clears throat> Ooh. One like by, what? Uh, one by Buddha. Because here's the thing. If you're quoting a motivational speaker, I can't tell if they sound like they really would or not. But when you uh, quote a historical figure, there's a lot of like, that's not how that person would have talked. So this is a trick. Well, and I was going to say, also, if it's like a religious figure, there are, I don't know, texts. Like, is this from? <laughs> yeah. So this is supposedly from the Buddha. Believe nothing, no matter where you read it or who said it, even if I have said it, unless it agrees with your own reason and your own common sense. I'm like, did Buddha say that? No. And he basically said, like, don't trust people just because they're famous. Trust them because they're wise. So yeah. it's, it's not completely, like, 100% made up. It's just a, a supreme mistranslation. So Buddha gets uh, misquoted. Uh, next Off one to up, a great start. Yeah, the Buddha. Uh, known, for, known for his... Uh, I guess self-improvement is a big thing in Buddhism, yeah. but not exactly how to become successful at work kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Michelangelo. So he's really starting off with uh, uh, two two big swings yeah. uh, to try gotta and get, establish Got to do our greatest hits here. Yeah, to really establish himself. Oh, don't worry. Einstein and Lincoln show up. How about Henry Ford and Bill Gates and uh, Steve no, Jobs? They don't, they don't say a lot because they're quite boring. Um, I didn't get to where he starts worshiping them. I got, I got to tell you, uh, he does quote Napoleon Hill, author of Think Big and Grow yes. Rich or whatever. Yeah. Uh, th think and Grow Rich, uh, just like he. Uh, oh, he does quote Henry Ford. Um, uh, Napoleon Hill just wrote the exact same book as this guy. I've already read this book once or twice. Uh, I have to find the the Michelangelo one because the Michelangelo one is especially like that does not sound like anything a Renaissance artist would ever say. Like, how do people just let this happen? 
Because, uh, like you said, oh, this guy did not have an editor. I've apparently gone past it, but he also, uh, as many people do, admittedly, uh, misquoted Mark Twain. But this is what he said Mark Twain said. The secret to getting ahead is getting started. The secret of getting started is breaking your complex, overwhelming tasks into small, manageable tasks, and then starting on the first one. Yeah, I really don't think Mark Twain said that. Yeah, that's not really a Mark Twain witticism I, here. I could, I could maybe see the first part, that the secret yeah. to getting ahead is getting started. Yeah. Like, uh, sure, I that one could have fooled me. Like, yeah. that's a Mark Twainy enough thing yeah. to say. Uh, Michelangelo supposedly said, the greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and that we miss it, but that it is too low when we reach it. That's not how a Renaissance Italian would talk. Like, no. I don't know. There's two Einsteins Shoot in a row. Shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Yeah, there's two Einsteins Gandhi. in a row. Imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. That's not something that a German man in the 1920s, <laughs> 30s would say. Austria, German. He's German. Uh, a lot of God in this book, which is very odd. Uh, uh, I did not, not know this about chicken noodle soup. Yeah, I would say not if you've ever read a chicken soup book. They, they are quite, quite religious. Yeah. Uh, I can't find the other Einstein one, but I finished my last fake one was from Abraham Lincoln. And it says, things may come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Yeah, I don't think uh, Abraham hustle? Lincoln was the pioneer of hustle culture. <laughs> grind, major grind set yeah. from the great emancipator. Yeah. Um, so, Rise and grind, baby. Rise and grind. Exactly. Uh, this is the exact same book as Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, because if you remember Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, it was... I've studied the most successful people in the world, and I have these rules that they all lived by, and I'm going to tell you. Literally, in the first couple chapters, I've studied successful people my whole life, and I know exactly what they do to, yep. to win. And it's like, that's not been true since Napoleon Hill said it, much less you. Uh, he is a, obviously, this guy is a self-made man. Uh, nobody handed me anything. My rent was $79 a month, and I earned $120 every two weeks. $79 a month you had to pay for your rent, and you're talking about how mm -hmm. easy it was to, you just had to grind. Uh, he's talking about how he became a teacher at an, uh, quote, an all black school in Chicago. Uh, and then he immediately left only after a couple years to work for a different uh, grind set motivational speaker guy. Uh, whose name I forget, but W. Clement Stone. Mm. He's like, I made it all myself. And my mentor, W. Clement Stone, taught me everything I knew when he took me on for a job uh, teaching other people how to be motivated. It's like, you don't see that this guy basically just handed you a job and he's the one handed who gave you this. A, yeah, yeah, and handed you not to, this career, Not to fall into a job creator uh, mindset, but still. Uh, I have read thousands of books, he says. Mm -hmm. I'm very smart. I average one every uh, four days or something like that. I mean, that's so how, do I. Well, number one, that's not like you're not reading smart people books. Like, yeah. uh, no offense. You're, you're reading fiction and like fun, cozy mysteries and yeah. romances and stuff like that. He's talking about like, I've read all the smartest people saying the smartest things. It's like if you're reading those books in four days, you're not thinking ab about them at all. Like, it's not about the speed at, by which you read them. Once again, always, always uh, laying down the truism. Anytime anybody brags about how smart they are, reduce it by about 40%. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, he lists as an example of somebody who followed their dream and got successful, the TV anchor that doubled her income by switching to motivational speaking. And it's like, you, got, you know that we can't all be motivational speakers, right? Like, you understand that that's not how 
the economy yeah. would work. Not that TV anchor is an especially integral job to the ecosystem, but like if she doubled her income by doing something that is stupid and useless, number one, that proves just how great capitalism is. But number two proves like, no, not everyone can do that. Yeah. Because like you're, yeah. you're whatever. Uh, by page three, I had three quarters of a, uh, a page of notes. Uh, and on page three, I listed stop listing things. I said, <laughs> there are so many lists. It's just lists. This is the first page of actual writing got me to already said that, say mm-hmm. that. And then I was yelling about that from here on out. Uh, let me see here. One of the most pervasive myths in American culture today is that we are entitled to a great life, that somehow, somewhere, someone, certainly not us, is responsible for filling our lives with continual happiness, exciting career options, nurturing family time, and blissful personal relationships. But the real truth is that it's you. If you want to be successful, you have to take 100% responsibility for everything you experience in your life. This includes the level of your achievements, the results you produce, the quality of your relationships, the state of your health and physical fitness, the income, your debts, your feelings, everything. Blah, blah. In fact, uh, this is not easy. I want to say, I, I'm, I know I'm reading a lot, but I want to make sure you know that I'm not blah, blah, blahing my way across like paragraphs of text, okay? So this is not easy. In fact, most of us have been conditioned to blame something outside of ourselves for the parts of our life we don't like. We blame our parents, our bosses, our friends, the media, our coworkers, our clients, our spouse, <laughs> the weather, the economy, our astrological chart, our lack of money, anyone or anything we can pin the blame on. I will say that, that mindset of like, don't blame outside things, it's all about you, winds up feeling a little racist towards the end of the book because he makes some specific comments about like, you can't blame oppression. I'll get right <laughs> there. I'll get there. Don't, don't you worry about it. <laughs> uh, this is a page and a half later. Uh, if, you've, if you want to create that, by the way, this is number one, a page and a half later, but also could have been the very next sentence from what I just read. If you want to create the life of your dreams, then you are going to have to take 100% responsibility for your life as well. That means giving up all your excuses, all your victim stories, all of the reasons why you can and why you haven't up until now, all of your blaming outside circumstances, you have to give them up. You have to take the position that you have always had the power to make it different, to get it right, to produce the desired result for whatever reason. Ignorance, lack of awareness, fear, needing to be right, the need to feel safe. You chose not to exercise that power, blah, blah, blah. Like, stop listing things. That's page five. I've already hit that many different lists. It's just a list of things. Uh, (laughs) Imagine how much shorter this book could have been if he had cut down even a little bit on some of the lists. Like, you're only allowed to list things three things yeah uh you can you can blame the event on your lack of results in other words you can blame the economy the weather the lack of money your lack of education racism gender bias the current administration in washington your wife or husband your boss's attitude the lack of support the political climate the system or lack of systems and so on if you're golfer blah 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 uh next paragraph jackie robinson would have never played major league baseball yeah i'm sure it was uh all those other black baseball's players own fault that they were not allowed to play in the white leagues Sidney Poitier and Denzel Washington would have never become movie stars. Dianne Feinstein and Barbara Boxer would never become U.S. senators. Aaron Brockovich would have never have uncovered PG&E's contaminations of the water in Hinkley, California. Blah, blah, if they didn't take... So they're listing people... for actually it's a sentence fragment. They're listing people who managed to... It's a sentence fragment despite that being that long. It never actually has like unless at the end of it. So anyway... But they're listing people who managed to break their way through these systems. Not that, like, the system didn't stop these people. Well, no, it tried. 
they just managed like Denzel Washington just managed to yeah. work his way through like that that's dumb. Yeah. Um my favorite thing is the Aaron Brockovich mention because everything is your own personal fault if it happens to you. Just think about Aaron Brockovich and how she managed to uh get uh a mild amount of financial compensation for all of those people who had been poisoned without their knowledge. So you're saying it was their fault they were poisoned by a large company's pollution in their their uh, uh, community that they had never known about and they had no legal recourse to they fight? They just didn't hustle hard enough, Nick. It's the same thing as it always is, which is confirmation bias, colon, the book. Uh, I just had page nine. Oh, it's that simple, huh? But no, no limit to... Uh, no. Everything you experience in life, both internally and externally, is the result of how you've responded to a previous event. Event, you are given a $400 bonus. Response, you spend it on a night on the town. Outcome, you are broke. Event, you are given a $400 bonus. Response, you invest it in your mutual fund, as most Americans obviously have. Outcome, you have an increased net worth. There. That's simple, obviously. Yeah. Pay no attention to the idea of a furnace breaking or medical bills or anything yeah. like that. Uh, you have control over your whole life. And it's confirmation of the bias of the book for a number of reasons. The first is anything that, like it talks about uh, because you didn't speak up to your boss and that this bad plan went through. Now you're stuck with the consequences. You should have spoke up to your boss. That's your response. That was your wrong response to this event. And it's like, you fucking idiot. What if I speak up to my boss and then I get fired and you're like, well, that was your response to that. It was the wrong response to that bad event. It's like, yeah. So if it turns out good, I did the right thing. And if it turns out bad, I did did the the wrong wrong thing. thing. Even though the action was the same. This is like, I can't, I can't win unless I'm winning. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard about in my life. Yeah, but this is written by a man who just happened to keep winning. Oh, uh, and I do want to make clear, he literally does say that because you didn't leave an abusive partner, it is therefore your fault. Uh Uh-huh, I remember. That is not me reading between the lines and trying to like straw man him. He literally lists that as an example. Yeah, I remember um, being less than pleased with that one. Yeah, uh, I later say it's just lists before page 17. Just give three things. There's the rule of threes. Give three things. That's all you have to give ever. Uh, Oh, my God. Ask yourself, how am I creating or allowing this to happen? What am I doing that's working that I need to do more of? Parenthetical. Should I do more practicing, meditating, delegating, trusting, listing, asking questions, keeping my eye on the ball, advertising, saying I love you, controlling my carbohydrate intake? Next paragraph. What am I doing that's not working? What do I need to be doing less of? Parenthetical. Am I talking too much? Watching too much television? Spending too much money? Eating too much sugar? Drinking too much? Being late too often? Gossiping? Putting other people down? Next parent or next uh Paragraph, what am I not doing that I need to try on to see if it works? Parenthetical, do I need to listen to more, exercise, get more sleep, drink more water, ask for help, do more marketing, read, plan, communicate, delegate, follow through, hire a coach, volunteer, or be more appreciative? Oh, we are still Write on page... less. That's what you need to do, Jack. Say less. Uh, seven, page 17, we are still on what this book will do for you, which is how these books always work. It talks about this book will give you the secrets. Yeah. It's like we're on page 30. You need to start giving me the secrets by now. But it turns out there's no secrets. No, Mick. There's just 64 different principles for success. I will get back to that. And if you follow them all perfectly everything will be great and if it doesn't work out great then you didn't do them right and you need to start over i do love uh they quoted a british author rebecca west dame rebecca west and she says 
or said, and I looked it up, she did say this. Uh, it is the soul's duty to be loyal to its own desires. It must abandon itself to its master passion. And it's like, hey, bud, that's the opposite of what you're saying, because that says, hey, go with the flow. Mm -hmm. follow, follow what your heart says, not grind. Like, mm -hmm. my heart does not say get up early. My heart says sleep in. It's great. Yeah. My heart doesn't say uh, really intentionally work on your networking. It says that dude sucks. You need to avoid him or whatever. Yeah. Like, come on, mud. You got to think about what you're saying here. Uh, page 20. I like, remember, I read 100 pages and I have a, I have a full sheet of notes here because it, it says way too much. He goes, as all these people do, they are both grifter and sucker, or at least they pretend to be a, yeah. a sucker uh, because if he likes it, you must... I'm at, a, I'm at a motivational speaking thing. There was a spiral-bound notebook on every chair. Some are blue, some are yellow, some are red. The one on my chair was yellow. I remember thinking, I hate yellow. I wish I had a blue one. And it's like, wow, you're an old, you're a grown-up man who cares about the color yeah. of the no free notebook you're given. Then Shelley said something that changed, the speaker said something that changed my life forever. If you don't like the color of notebook you have, trade with someone else and get the one you want. You deserve to have everything in your life exactly the way you want it. And he says, wow, what a radical concept. The idea that you could trade a fucking notebook with somebody, you fucking idiot. What are you talking about? Yeah. Not to mention, you can have anything that your heart desires. Well, I want to go out and spend $400 on the town because that's what my heart desires. No, don't do that. Yeah. Shut the he, fuck up. Yeah, he Ugh. just constantly contradicts himself. Uh, it lists uh, different people. What often express uh, people from expressing their true desires, they don't think they can make a living uh, doing what they want to do. What I love to do is hang out and talk with people, you might say. Well, Oprah Winfrey makes a living hanging out, talking with people. Yes, Oprah fucking Winfrey yeah, does. You're not Oprah. I'm a 30-year-old man with a social studies education degree. She went to school for journalism and yeah. worked in local news. And my friend Diane Browse, who is an international tour guide, makes a living hanging out with people and with people in some of the most exciting and exotic locations in the world. Tiger Woods loves to play golf. Oh, I'll be fucking Tiger Woods, you idiot. What are you talking about? Yeah. Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> this is a fun little, like, where are they now? Time Par capsule, This yeah. is a fun little where are they now paragraph. Yeah, Tiger Woods loves to play golf. Ellen DeGeneres loves to make people laugh. Yeah. And hang out with George Bush. <laughs> Loves to make people laugh. Loves to make uh, uh, pages cry. Yeah. My sister loves to design jewelry and hang out with teenagers. Your sister should be on a watch list somewhere. <laughs> oh, no. Donald Trump loves to make deals and build buildings. Oh, no. I love I to read and share what America. I've learned with others in book speeches and workshop shops. It's possible to make a living doing what you love. It, it is possible for people who have a certain amount of privilege, like... It is not possible for everyone. Yes, like sometimes you are lucky to enjoy what you do or get to do the thing that you want to do as your job. But like for most of us, even if we like you and I, I think both for the most part like our jobs, they're still J-O-B jobs. Yeah, you can If money wasn't an object, neither of us would be going yeah, to our work. I want to do it for free. Yeah. You could get a job at the puppy petting factory and still hit snooze on some mornings. Yeah. Uh, then we get a quote from a, an insurance company, which does actually, this is the quote from the Is founder. it telling you how much your insurance is going to cost? Is that the quote from the insurance hey, company? Oh, that's pretty funny. Uh, I was going to make another joke, but then I couldn't think of more insurance terms. Uh, they, the guy who founded an insurance company that was later sold, uh, says the number one problem that keeps people from winning in the United States today is a lack of belief in themselves, which number one, that's fucking wrong. And number two, it is kind of funny 
that when you take out an insurance policy, you are betting the insurance company that something bad will happen yeah. to you, and they're betting that it won't. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. That is pretty funny. They, they apparently um, believe in you more I than I think you it's funny that someone from an insurance company said that because I, I would say that one of the biggest things that's preventing people in America from finding success is, is lack of universal health yeah, insurance. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Then he lists an experiment where people uh, told people that they did knee surgery on them, but actually didn't, and their knees got better. It's like, that's, hey, no, they fucking didn't. I was going to say. medical malpractice. Yeah, that's, that's definitely illegal. And it, it lists like a source. There's a footnote. Placebos prove so powerful that even experts are surprised. Uh, and I'm like, I can tell you what they didn't do. Not perform fucking surgery. Because imagine being like, well, this is part of our experimental group. We still have to charge them so that they yeah. think they got cert. No, they fucking didn't. What are you talking no about? No way. Uh, and then I'm going to... The undercurrent of Christianity was always very weird. It's it's definitely waspy, uh, work ethic, Protestantism, yeah. grind-a-thon. You'll be rich if only you're Jesus enough, which is very funny given who Jesus was. Uh, I'm going to come... I'm going to skip ahead to a quote and come back to my last quote here. I don't think Jesus would have liked this guy. What? No way. Jesus liked everybody. Going out on a limb Like here. that fig tree? Mm. Uh, all right. Your brain is designed to solve any problem and reach any goal that you give it. The words you think and say actually affect your body. We see that, well, partially, I think you're being a little extreme about this, but there is a certain amount of like, if you take the whole time to tell yourself how terrible your life is, it will seem terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. If you tell yourself how hard this task is in front of you, it will seem harder. Like yes. that's not wrong. But listen to how he tries to prove this. When uh, we see that in toddlers, when you were a toddler, there was nothing stopping you. You thought you could climb up on anything. No barrier was too big for you to attempt to overcome. But by little by little, your sense of invincibility is conditioned out of you by the emotional and physical abuse that you receive from your family, friends, and teachers until you Jeez. no longer believe you can. Hey, don't fucking fall down the stairs, my baby, who will definitely hurt himself because he's not actually, bear with me, invincible. Well, wow, and that's the you thing abusive is like, parent. Yes, toddlers do think that they are capable of doing anything. But they're not. But they're not. They're dumb. They got little brains. Uh, they're real cute. They they're definitely do toddle. wonderful. They're toddling everywhere. Yeah. But like, my th- that's, tries- I'm not being an abusive parent by trying to keep my son physically safe. I'm not crushing his spirit so- by not letting him hurdle headfirst down the stairs. Little by little, people told you not to touch that hot stove. And ever since then, you've been unwilling to take risks. It's like, uh, I will. Yeah, sure. Yeah. My son tries to uh, give me a pair of shoes when I'm already wearing them and gets mad at me when I don't put on the second pair of shoes. I only have two feet. Squeaks, what am I going to do? He's so great. He's so dumb. What, what a great little baby. Uh, uh, we he, got him a baseball hat for Christmas, and it's oh, the cutest thing that's gosh. ever happened. He started putting his hands in his coat pockets, and I'm oh, going to die. Oh, it's so good. Today, he's wearing a little hoodie. Oh, it's so good. Toddlers are great. I love toddlers. Um, It, in, it encourages you uh, at one point. I'm going to – this is my second to last thing, my penultimate – uh, that even stay-at-home moms can work alongside a, quote, network marketing company. Oh, pyramid schemes. Pyramid schemes. Yay. Here's, okay. I hate a lot of the bullshit that gets lobbed at 
stay-at-home parents. I will say stay-at-home parents. We have some friends who are stay-at-home dads. And, yeah. Like it is not necessarily I mean, gender. Two and a half months out of the year, I'm a yeah. stay-at-home dad. Um, I think like I hate this idea of like you know even if you're a stay-at-home parent, still hustle. You have the same number of hours in the day. Like join a pyramid scheme, have a side hustle, do all this stuff. I'm like. Yeah maybe it's okay that for those two and a half months out of the year that your home with squeaks, maybe it's okay that your priority is your kid. Sue. And being a parent. What are you a fucking commie? And I need maybe, to be making money to make my yeah, life make Maybe have you don't have to have a side hustle. Maybe you can just focus on your kid. Or have a hobby instead of a side hustle. Yeah. Like, uh, and also like not worth maybe money. in the moments that you're not focused on your kid, you should be focusing on yourself so that you can be a more like a more healthy and complete person. Yeah. Not just for your kid, for yourself because you deserve that. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it's all about the grind. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead. Thanks for your letter, but uh, we're going to turn it down. Good luck though. Ugh. Um and I'm going to end with a quote. And this is why I hate that this is 450 pages long. In addition to, uh, if we took out the list, it would be about 170. Mm. I'm willing to bet. But this is why this doesn't need to be 450 pages long or exist at all. Uh-huh. Because all of these books, Think and Grow Rich, The Secret, The Success... Pre- oh, I forgot. Sorry, I'm wrapping up to a big point. But I forgot one important point. Hey, Susan, if you want somebody to be able to use some advice, if you want to teach somebody like how to do something... What do you say some like standby uh, uh, ideas are to make sure they really can uh, internalize your teachings to them? Well, make it easy to understand. All right. I think is probably a, a good good place to start. Would you say that when you need to teach them something, uh, you should try to teach them 64 things at a time? Oh, no. Simplify. Yeah. So here's some success principles. Here's 64 of them. Success principles like stay motivated with the masters, which is uh, uh, different from, uh, which was, where was it? Oh, it was basically read people who've already done it. It's like, yeah, you said that before anyway. Uh, Or say no to the good so that you can say yes to the great, which is very funny because the typical phrase is don't let the great be the enemy of good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have a heart talk. Uh, transform your inner critic into an inner coach. Give more to get more. To spend more, make more. Uh, keep your agreements. There's 64 of them. How am I supposed to, like, assuming that I was interested in learning them, which I'm mm-hmm. not, how am I supposed to remember 64 friggin' rules at a time? It's You're ridiculous. supposed to take a class that you have to pay for. And Even if I did. Join a, a bi weekly working group. That's more rules than there are presidents. Yeah. And I can't, like, my job is to remember presidents, like, Talk about what presents did. And presents have little things that go with them that help you remember. Oh, he's the guy who did this or that or the other thing. And I don't know that I could list all 46 presidents. Well, just take each president and assign that president a corresponding uh-huh. success principle. And then you'll only have a okay. couple dozen more that you need to remember beyond right. that. So George Washington is the one that takes 100% responsibility of his life by marrying the richest woman in Virginia. Martha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John Adams, be clear why you're here, which is very funny because he was so mad he got elected by... <laughs> this is a little, like a weird little astrology thing. I love it. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, decide what you want. <clears throat> Yikes. <laughs> he wanted slaves. Yeah, Sally, come here. Uh, James Madison, believe that it's possible to finish the Constitution. James Monroe, believe in yourself. <laughs> believe in yourself, James Monroe. Oh, Come you on. can do it, buddy. Yeah, let's uh, let's look up some fun ones later on. Uh, 
Obama was supposed to find a wing to climb under. Mm. Uh, George W. Bush said no to the good so that he could say yes to the great. Oh, no. He, dirt, he certainly did say no to the good. Yeah, he did. And then uh, he did that in 11. <laughs> Bill Clinton was supposed to just say no. Oh, what a save. That would have saved, would have a saved him a lot of bad press. Uh, <laughs> Ronald Reagan uh, redefined time, which I can't deny. Yeah. He certainly did redefine time. He as redefined being a, a lot of things. 11 hour work shift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was here. a joke on TikTok for a while that, like, becoming an adult is basically realizing that everything that sucks about America is due to Ronald Reagan. Have you ever seen the tweet that's like, I put Ronald, where Ronald Reagan became president on the start of Outcomes? <laughs> Uh, take your own conclusions. Uh, Richard Nixon was supposed to stay motivated with the masters. Oh, uh, LBJ was supposed to learn more to earn more. Uh, but I do like JFK. Ninety nine percent as a bitch, one hundred percent as a breeze. <laughs> and I have to say, ninety nine problems of JFK were bitches, and the, the one hundredth was Lee Harvey Oswald, unfortunately, <laughs> or the CIA, depending. Uh, unfortunately, we're off by one. Herbert Hoover was supposed to embrace change, so I guess he didn't. Oh. Uh, FDR was supposed to transform his inner critic into an inner coach. Uh, old Donnie J should have hired a personal coach. And then uh, old Joey B uh, was supposed to mastermind your way to success, which I don't think anybody, even his supporters, <laughs> has accused Joe Biden of doing. No. All right. Being successful or being a mastermind, yeah. not neither one of those are really something that I would attribute to uh, I can tell to you Joe one Biden. thing for sure. When the GOP candidate wins the next election, I am willing to bet they will not, number 47, inquire within. <laughs> President Marjorie Taylor Greene will not be inquiring within. She is not a very uh, internally... Uh, <laughs> she does not look internally. All right. <clears throat> Here's the quote that, that finishes off the whole genre of books which maybe we should save to the end of our little season but i don't think i've gotten you another one of these the secrets okay. until then this is the quote by richard bach who is apparently the best uh selling author of john jonathan livingston siegel which sounds like a, a, a children's book he says sooner or later those who win are those who think they can and it's like yeah fucking duh who but you don't think that, I don't know, Andre Agassi, every time, Jesus, I'm my mom's 90s son. Andre Agassi, every single time he had to play Pete Sampras, didn't think he could win. That when Tiger Woods came in second at whatever tournament, he didn't think he could win. That yeah. uh, whoever loses the Super Bowl didn't think they could win. Yeah. Like, for every winner, there's a loser, you dumbass. And then at the highest levels, of course they think they can win. If you're going to put things in a zero-sum game kind of way, then there will always be a loser to them. And that lo- you're Ah! It's all confirmation bias. It's so fucking obvious how stupid these all are. Yeah. And people still make 450-page books saying the same exact dumb shit as a dude wrote and in the 1930s. Probably a shit ton of money. Oh, my God. After the chicken soup for the soul thing. So he's already like Might a multi-millionaire. Like chicken soup book at some point. I'll throw it in the pot. I'm making chicken soup upstairs right now. <laughs> I don't need any chicken soup for the soul. I need praxis for the people. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I swore a lot this episode. United and it's very funny because I've been drinking Mountain Dew and not beer and stuff because we're at nap time right now. But And because it's the middle of dry January. That too. Um, 
in either case, that's going to do it for this week of uh, or this episode of Bibliovile. We will be back pretty soon to hear all about how Susan needs to clean her room and act more like a lobster because she will reading she'll be reading a Jordan Peterson sequel. And Mick is going to be reading um, Crowdsourced by fan favorite Michelle and her friend Kevin. Uh, Mick is going to be reading a book from the Star Wars extended universe the called Legends, yeah. The Courtship of Princess Leia. Okay, we'll talk more about that. I do love that Michelle's a fan favorite and not a friend of the show because she compromises, I think, about 33% of this show's current uh, fans. Yeah. So just alone, she's already a pretty popular. Yeah, but she's also on, maybe not 33% of, but she's also on a good number of episodes. Yeah, mostly the Molly's Monsters ones. And Otherworld. And, uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember that whole thing Midnight that we did. Sins. Oh, yeah, Midnight she's on the Sins. Midnight Sins sequel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, just, anyway. Uh, if you can take nothing else away from this, just really think, uh, just make sure that between episodes, you're living out in the world and you're making sure to pay yourself first. So that's that's tip number 58. Hmm. With cool. all that money you already have. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. We love cool, you guys. Cool. Follow us on Twitter at Bibliovile. Follow me on Twitter at Dickie Ma. And I'm at Susan J. S with three U's, S-A-N-J. I forget what we have. And this is outro music. Bye. Good night, Michelle.